It's our super spooky 50th episode, and it happens to land on Halloween week. Pour yourself a pint of witch's brew and sit down as we share some spooky tales from me and you. And also, I would like to introduce Yeti. And if you're watching our YouTube channel, you are seeing me, the mistress of the night right now, holding the cutest, cutest, cutest little fluffy boy, Yeti. Say hi, Yeti. There we go. Yeah. He's 11 weeks old and 22 pounds. He's massive. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a spectacular episode of the Cincinnati Cabin of Curiosities Presents, the Hometown Haunts Podcast. I am your host, Kat Cloco, and along with me, not in the shadows tonight, are Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. Yes, we're here. We're proud to fear, I guess. But is that a saying? Like, we all dressed up for a spectacular episode. So, um, if you aren't yet, why aren't you following us on social media? You can catch up to us on, or catch up with us. There we go. On Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And of course, send us your ghost stories. We want to hear them to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. You can send us stories from anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be just Cincinnati. We love everyone. And also, we have a Facebook group for Hometown Haunts. It's just under Hometown Haunts Podcast, I believe. Join. We are chatting all about fun, interesting things, such as the article Christina found from the Cincinnati Enquirer recently about body snatching. Well, it wasn't really about body snatching, although that was part of it. It was um, actually about, and you recall, uh, if somebody could look really quick, we did a music hall episode. It was one of our first episodes. I want to say it was probably like third or fourth episode. One of the writers for Cabinet of Curiosities 2, Jeff Cease, did an article on music hall. And um, it's really, it's really fascinating. It talks about um you know how grave robbing happened around there and all the bodies that are buried under music hall and how they keep finding i mean i i don't even know how many bodies they found probably when they built that parking garage underneath so for our avid listeners or new listeners if you check the wayback machine it is episode three that we talk about the very haunted cincinnati music hall one thing and I really by like- extension washington park one thing I really like about the article is he mentioned the Moselle and, you know, the body parts that were buried there from that, uh, which was something that was in Brandon's comic. And if you're interested in hearing more about this team's boat explosion, the Moselle that we've just re- referenced twice, that is episode 18 of the Hometown Haunts podcast. We have a Kickstarter campaign going on until November 3rd. It ends at midnight. And we are raising money for the next issue of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities comic book anthology. And if you are an aspiring writer or illustrator and you have ties to the Cincinnati area, we would love to hear from you. And we will be taking open submissions in January, hopefully, if we get funded. That's the thing. We're $1,000 away from being funded to be able to pay for book three. So if you are interested... Yeah, we are funded. We can print the books. Um, 
but we we are trying to raise money so that we can pay the advance for all of our artists and writers for next year and all those little startup costs that you get and um yeah we have a bunch of ink sketches that are available by different artists that are participating and you've already heard them on the show we have ink sketches by kevin necessary we have wonderful ink sketches by inky please everyone go buy those those are fantastic inky does such a great job their work is amazing mm-hmm. and uh let's see i think i have a few left um and then you have a few left as well, too, Christina. Just a couple. There's just a couple left. And but we've got Christina's very popular. We've got like a bunch by uh Kevin Necessary. And it's really if you want to sketch by him, it's worth getting one from him. You know, Steve Declan. He's got a he's got he's got a couple left. Uh, so there's some great stuff on there. So definitely um get some of those. Like I said, if we get to 8K, we're going to be doing an issue three. I mean, the podcast will continue. So, but yeah, we like issue, doing this a lot. Yeah. I like talking about dead people. But but we want to do an issue three, but we need to get enough to see the next issue. So um, definitely, if you haven't backed it yet, and I know there's a lot of people out there that are fans of the show. Um, I just got an email today from somebody um, who said that she was talking to some friends and she follows the podcast and found out they were all following it too. So there are... <laughs> people that are watching it and listening to it most people listen to it most people don't see our beautiful faces so you miss our masks and stuff like that um, i am perfectly okay with that <laughs> i'm fine you know well, how yeah, dare you face. watch us on youtube no. yes, yes. If, you see, if you want to see the cute puppy <laughs> most likely you're going to see a cat butt than a dog on this show true 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 it's our 50th episode and from one of our listeners they write not only do i like to follow the podcast but i recently discovered that several friends of mine do as well not only is it fun to find more things in common with people in your life but in our chattering but been in our chattering about it we drew in some new people to follow it as well here's to continued success for you and your many projects thank you amy wherever you are and um so we were going to talk spooky stories um and and some of our favorite halloween things you've got a very scary story and we were saying um before we came on about how uh chad if you're listening (laughs) i hope it's daylight (laughs) yes don't watch don't watch or listen to this at night because kat said this is super spooky this is one of my own personal spooky stories. Shall I start? Yes, please All do. right. Okay. So we're going to look at a young cat in middle school in the mid-90s. And one of the things that I did throughout my elementary and early middle school career was I collected music boxes. Any type of music box. It could be one that had the little ballerina in the box and you had to pop it open for it to play or a wind-up box or uh, snow globes that played, but all of them had to be wound up and none of them used batteries. So I had, by this point, I was in seventh grade, um, close to 20, 25 music boxes decorating my room. I did not collect stuffed animals. It was all music boxes. I thought they were really cool. And if you remember, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I lived in an extremely haunted house where we had shadow people walking the halls on a nightly basis, things going missing, pans 
clanking when nothing had moved. It We had a lot of what would be called classic poltergeist activity. This was one of those nights. I'm in my room. It's a pretty early evening around 7 p.m. and I'm doing my homework for the class the next day. And when I hear one of my music boxes start tinkling, playing, and I look up at it and it's my little ballerina box and it's closed. The ballerina has to be able to twirl for it to play. And I pick up the box and I look at it and I'm like, huh, wonder how that happened because it was not wound up kind of played with the little wine key thing to make sure that it wasn't stuck or like there wasn't gears going because I was still like, well, that's weird. Put it back on the shelf, go back to my homework. It's about 15 minutes later, different music box starts playing by itself. And I get up, inspect it, make sure that it there isn't anything weird going on. This is in the wintertime, so our humidity was non-existent at the time. Everything was dry as hell and could not explain why the gears were moving, why it was playing. Put that one down, go back to work. Ten minutes later, two of them started playing and then a third joined. And suddenly my entire room was playing music boxes. All 25 of them were playing at the same time, different songs at different speeds. It was super freaky, and I ran out of the room. And they all stopped. Whoa. That is one weird story. Yes. So. And how did you not sleep outside for the rest of your life? (laughs) Because I was Indiana. I didn't want the raccoons to eat me. Well, also, the outside was pretty haunted by an entity that stalked the house. Oh, for fuck. So, <laughs> did you get rid of all the music boxes at that point? I did. So um, <laughs> that following, like, as when I came back in, I was like, I don't feel good about these. So I put the music boxes in my closet. And then the following weekend, I just packed them up in a box and threw them in the attic, which is where they stayed until last year when I cleaned out the house. And do you still have them? No, they went to an estate sale. They, they're just, I was like, goodbye. No, (laughs) I'm not like I had gotten them. Friends had given them to me as gifts. I had gotten one of them for being the flower girl in a wedding. And a lot of them were nice. They were like hand carved and everything, but they spooked me too much. Um, Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. it, It really spooked me out. Um, there was a lot of, uh, entities that I saw when I was in middle school that, freaked me out so so when you cleaned out the house did any of them return or was it were you able to block them now i i blocked those and i was just like into the estate sale you go go haunt whomever else so if somebody has a haunted music box it's probably from my house <laughs> that that is a really creepy story that's a good yeah. one to start off with yes so um, and i i had my mom collected had collected some music boxes and great thank you for that they're packed away but oh my god (laughs) you'll be laying in bed and you'll hear them playing from wherever you've stored them i had a doll collection as a kid and it was dolls from all over and i never had any experiences of weirdness and i even had a friend growing up that was terrified of dolls and had nightmares about them really terrible people very terrible people that one day maybe ghosts 
Like the jack-o'-lantern. Oh, yes. We were talking about some of our favorite Halloween stuff. And and uh, uh, we were talking about jack-o'-lanterns in our Facebook group today. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, tell a little bit about the story behind it, Kat. Sure. So, Chad, in our Facebook group, what was it? He asked about the history of jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, being he protected. if they would protect your house. And it's like, no. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So you would think that lighting a gourd on, not on fire, but putting fire into it, it, it may catch on fire. I can't really guarantee it won't. But if putting it in front of your house and it would keep spirits away, it kind of feels like something that would ward evil spirits away. But in, lo and behold, that's actually why you're supposed to be dressing up in costume is to be confusing the spirits so that they don't attach to you and follow you home. Instead, Jack-o'-lanterns are a relic of Stingy Jack. Shall I talk about Stingy Jack a little bit? Tell us about Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack was a man who was stingy. And according to Irish folklore, he liked to play a lot of games with the devil. One of them was he went drinking one night and actually managed to fool the devil into turning into a piece of money that he could pay their bar tab with. Except for Stingy Jack, living up to his name, decided to skip out on the tab, put the devil-turned coin into his pocket along with a silver cross, which kept the devil from returning back to hell. And he walked around for a few days, some say weeks, with the devil in his pocket. And he eventually let him out. In another little escapade with these two, they're a great pair, they really should have a comic series, Jack somebody has to have done one. Yeah, somebody has to have done one. Jack had actually managed to convince the devil to climb up a tree to go gather fruit. And as the devil was in the tree, he carved a cross on the trunk, keeping sorry, keeping the devil stuck in the tree. That was not too smart. (laughs) This would be a great animation. I would love to see it this really animated because be. this is this is somebody has to have done it. This story is too good. Yeah, the yeah. So um yeah, so yet again, few days, some say weeks, the devil was stuck in a tree and he eventually let him out. I want to know how. Did they cut the tree down with the devil in it? Did they strip the bark? How did they yeah? I'm asking too many questions for this great story. So uh where, uh, where was I? Oh, yes. So after Jack let the devil out of the tree, method unknown, uh, he managed to get the devil to promise not to bother Jack for 10 years. And uh, after after that promise, however, Jack died and he finds himself at the pearly gates and heaven won't let him in because he was a stingy bastard. And he also played with the devil a lot. And Heaven's like, ah, this doesn't sound like a great idea, so we're going to just pass on you. So Jack, his little sad soul, goes over to the devil and he's like, hey there, buddy. Um, They won't let me into Heaven, so can I come in? And the devil's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Gives him a one piece of coal that's still aflame and says, bye. You get to go walk the earth for the rest of eternity. So that is where jack-o'-lanterns come from. What an awesome. You know what that feels Hmm. like? And and this is probably what inspired the book American Gods, if you've read it by Neil Gaiman, you know, talking about immigrants bringing stories 
um, their their gods' stories to the United, you know, to the, as they immigrated to the United States, and it's just stories like this that that feel like, you know, there's all these lore, like especially if I, you read, if you've read, I wasn't done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry to add to that. Um, going yes, it's a very good cross with the American gods. Um, he put the coal in a turnip so that he would walk and have that illuminate his way. And then going back, returning to your American gods, when the Irish moved and immigrated to the United States, we don't have too many turnips. Our potatoes are pretty sad here. So they put it in a pumpkin gourd. And that's how come we have orange pumpkins are a symbol. I have one behind me of Halloween and fall time. So that's where our jack-o'-lanterns come from. And yes, they tie really well in with American gods. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking of like I, I love all those old tales, not just for Halloween, but like you know, thinking of the old uh, you know Norse mythology um, and like the real stories about Loki. Why well, say real? But like when you read those myths, what I mean, Marvel just, isn't taking it directly from the mythology? I mean, I mean, they're so funny and messed up. I mean, is Tom know, Hiddleston lying to me. <laughs> Well, yes, I know that is that is the only canon is Marvel, Um, but (laughs) but, uh, you know, the the tales are so, you know, interesting, just the the, they're zany. I mean, the thing that's kind of interesting, I think about, um, you know, a lot of these old and I don't want to say folk tales because they were like, you know, the Bible for people, you know, today, like these different pagan cultures. I have some sad news about the Bible for some of you. (laughs) <laughs> depends on who you talk to so yeah it yeah their folk tales now are old wives tales but yeah these were ways that people they weren't to... always like what you would call morality tales really they were just they would inform your living yeah like some of yeah. them in this was stingy jack is don't be a dick and yeah cheat people out of stuff and leave people in trees and then chop it down while they're still in it kind of thing mm. um not it, not sure what the morality tale was with loki like you know uh turning himself into a horse and having <laughs> now i was just thinking of thor and loki from marvel and how like loki would turn himself into a snake and then thor would go pick it up and then he'd mm-hmm. go bah! sorry <laughs> And, and and what was it? There was there was like some creature that I forget what the creature was. I have to look, look refresh my. I re, what that's the thing when you read so many comics and watch so many shows. It's like that's why you can't instantly like recall what happened in them. Yeah, and my Norse myth- mythology is pretty stingy. I, I but don't I'm know sure it as well. like a lot of the Japanese mythology is similarly like i don't want to use the word strange that's not the right word it's just the tales are old and they're kind of inter- you know they're and they're interesting but they're not like saying this is the way you should live your life or something they're just interesting and uh like they were probably just very entertaining tales to tell you know around the fire or whatever you know some of them there's a lot of traveling ghosts and traveling mm-hmm. yokai um let me really quickly there's one that comes to mind that is kind of a moral thing but you'd be surprised by it uh let's see (laughs) 
<laughs> there it is. Sorry. Um, there is a yokai or a monster that, um, and I'm just loosely translating that one, um, called the Akaname. And what the Akaname does is it literally means filth liquor. And if your bathroom, Jen, if your bathroom is very dirty, the Akaname will come in and lick it clean. The only problem is, is that the Akaname saliva is toxic to humans. So when you draw a bath and get into it, you will die. So moral of the story, clean up your own damn bathroom or the Akaname is going to come in and clean your clock. (laughs) So, uh, yokai are... That's a or, good curse word. Filth liquor. Filth liquor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it's... They... So, with obakemono, or kind of ghosts and spirits, they fill in an interesting niche in Buddhist and Shinto culture where you have little tiny morals, but they're, like, not don't go into the forest alone. It's daily things like make sure you clean your bathroom <laughs> or this will happen or make sure you're nice. Sage or, advice. Yeah. This, yeah. And uh, then they also have, th- there's a breakdown of all sorts of yokai and obakemono and their roles in society. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of traveling ghost ones. Uh, one that immediately pops into my head is no uh, which is the faceless ones. They are an East Asian ghost um, made popular in Japan and Hawaii by immigrants to Hawaii. And they've been spotted in both Japan and Hawaii, even in contemporary times. Um, And they're basically wandering spirits on roads and they don't have faces. And you'll talk to them and they'll give you bad travel advice and then scare you. Um, but they don't kill you. They they just want to scare you. That's it. Jen is dying again. So Goodness, it's basically Jen. It's basically it's basically bad. It's basically a bad GPS. It's gonna be me if I die on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's a little mess with tourists. <laughs> that is a really fun afterlife though just stay in disney world and say yeah the monorail's over there and so are this what are they the the sky trolleys or whatever they are oh i guess it's Walt disneyland where they don't exist anymore but well that was interesting point them to, to to amusement park rides that no longer exist there was just a um simpsons episode about ways and they were it, it was like of course they spelled it differently and the yeah. whole, one of the one of the uh, plots of the episode was that um, all of the their road, which is a little neighborhood road, was becoming really busy because obviously when ways uh, detects snarls and traffic, a lot of times what people have complained about is your little tiny neighborhood, which used to get like two or three cars like once a day, now has like a traffic jam in it because you have all these tertiary. Um, what would you call arteries and and veins Mm -hmm. and streets that aren't meant to be main traffic areas but ways will like uh make traffic go on them and so the whole thing was about how you couldn't contact anyone at ways to tell them about it um because most of these tech companies like if you have a problem with them there's no way to get a hold of anybody yeah 
you know, and that was like an NPR story about a year ago. And so it made me think of these ghosts, like, so it's the ghost <laughs> in the machine. It's yeah. Like they're getting, because they've had, they had um, some trouble with people <laughs> using GPS. What was it in Death Valley? And like their car running out of gas and like it would, they kept going in circles. It's like an urban legend almost sounding like, but it really happened. Oh, that actually reminds yeah, me of a ghost story. Urban legends are going to be in 50 years because of technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When a computer gives you bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, already urban legends are catching up to, you know, like dating on dating apps and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, yeah. You know, there's probably the hook hand version of Tinder, you know. Yeah. We need to start looking into this. But yeah. not on Tinder. Well, what no. I, was thinking I don't was, know how was, we like, would research the evolution. That the evolution because i just saw like a headline the other day about some serial killer that was like killing people that they would meet on it was like on tinder or something like that mm-hmm. and would learn oh into, wonderful you know and and you know it's possible there are stories like that but i could imagine like there being you know a whole new you know internet version of urban legends mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah there, there's that's been cropping up since 96 Mm-hmm. black-eyed children were like the first ones so mm-hmm. isn't that how slender man got started too it is and i was there to watch it happen wow. which is great this is just a little funny thing if you ever read a slender man article talking about somebody who was in the forums mentioning the something awful forums and how that was slender man they are quoting me on the paranormal view <gasps> okay that's, that's kind of cool <laughs> because to my knowledge i am the only person that has ever said in a large media way such as a radio show hey i was in the something awful forums around 2007 to 2009 and i was a part of the photoshop friday voting and slender man was one of the topics the the actual topic for that week it wasn't necessarily slender man it was creating an urban legend that looks convincing oh that was the topic and slender man won with the most votes and the person who created it made three photoshop photos of what looked like old postcards from the 50s and managed to create this really ghostly looking multi-armed entity in the background wow so anybody who's sitting there going oh i've seen slender man he's a real entity okay, slow your roll here because I know it's not. But there is something called a tulpa, which is from Tibetan Buddhist folklore or belief system, however, whatever uh, perspective you want to use, um, that tulpas are basically, if you believe something enough, it becomes reality in our world. And uh, I know a lot of science fiction has been kind of running amok with this thought and same with horror movies. Um, it's like, if we all believe in Krampus enough or Krampus, he's going to come out and uh, steal small children and beat them in a sack. Wow, that sounds wrong. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> only if you're bad. Only if you're bad. <laughs> you're, you're good. if He's going to leave you alone if you're a good child. Still sounds bad. There is no way to make Krampus nope. not sound Mm-mm. weird and yeah. somewhat pervy. Anyway, but like Slender Man, there are old German myths 
kind of like a Bigfoot entity that would mm-hmm. come and steal you away. Baba Yaga would be another one. That, mm-hmm. like, so the entity known as Slender Man is not a stretch of the imagination, but he's mm-hmm. he's very contemporary. He's like a decade old. He's a baby. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one thing that they found with fairy tales and, and lore is that it's way older than they ever imagined. You know, like old fairy tales like Cinderella and stuff like that. Yeah. They may trace their history back tens of thousands of years or 20,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more that they study these, the more these tales have really been passed down all over the world. Yeah. That's why you find five motifs of monsters, ghosts, vampires zombies and like a boogeyman mm-hmm. in every single culture because those are things people are actually legitimately scared about because we're human and we're afraid mm-hmm. of the dark so we just yeah. don't have good night vision it's not our fault it's very terrible <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we've uh, i guess the main crux of this episode is we have a lot of cool haunts we do and these are all haunts that have been submitted to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Thank you very much to everyone who has submitted something to us so far. We enjoy reading it. And I am sorry that we have gotten this backlog because we've had so many interesting guests. We've run out of time to be able to read them. So I'm glad that we're finally getting to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this one from that we start off with from Kevin was actually submitted back in June. So thank you for oh. submitting it back then and um do you want to read it this is a long one yeah i can read it um it's long and super creepy oh goody i like this two of my favorite things long stories that are super creepy this is from kevin i've always been a cautious skeptic of the paranormal being instead a fan of the harder sciences all my life my science and art enthusiasm eventually leading me to a freelance illustration work for nasa But way back in college in 1976, in spite of being a skeptic, I had a face-to-face encounter with the unexplainable. Paul, we'll call him, was one of my friends during that distant era. He was a bit older than me, outgoing with a hearty laugh. He loved to party, loved people, and he he would get excited about everything. Great music, great food, good friends, life itself. I looked up to him. To my younger self, he was everything I thought I couldn't be. But Paul also seemed to be a charter member of the Girlfriend of the Month Club. One month he had begun dating a young lady I never got to meet. But Paul told me and the rest of his friends quite a bit about her. After a few days seeing him, she confided she was a member of a coven of witches who worshipped a demon they called, well... I won't repeat that exact name. Suffice to say, it was an unrealistic, (laughs) cute name. Something similar to Fuzzy Wuzzy. Paul couldn't take her seriously and innocently joked about the whole thing, especially the cute name, to her and the rest of her coven when he met them. That seemed to annoy them, and when he realized they were being serious, he had second thoughts about the relationship. I believe he broke it off then, but the coven became angered and promised if he told anyone about them, he would regret it. They would place a curse on him. He shrugged that off too and sadly told all of his friends about the creepy girlfriend encounter. 
Before long, weird things started to happen to Paul. He told us he heard voices whispering in his ear when he was trying to sleep. Working in a convenience store late at night, he sometimes heard an unseen something flying or fluttering in the air right above his head. And at one point, he had a thick wooden broom handle snap in two in his hands as he was sweeping up for the night. He began to have trouble sleeping, and his eyes grew dark circles underneath. None of Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, none of Paul's friends had witnessed these events. We only heard these stories, but we all noticed a change come over him. He did not look well. We worried he may have gotten into dangerous drugs, but he claimed it was just a lack of sleep. One night, he couldn't take the stress of working late anymore with only the odd fluttering and whispers for company. He quit the job, telling the that same night, a large dog, dark dog followed him silently back to his dorm room, staying always about 20 feet behind him on his final walk from the store. The following weekend, I was staying on campus rather than, at my, than my normal weekend commute home. Almost no one else was around. Paul rapped gently on my door late at night, taking a chance I'd be there, still awake. He was, if possible, even more haggard than before. He said he couldn't sleep and just couldn't stand to be alone. We sat and talked about his experiences, and I listened with a sympathetic ear. He was clearly not himself. He wanted advice from me, from all the people, the younger guy, from all the people, the younger guy who always looked up to him. What should he do? He asked. He knew no one believed what was happening to him. I was about to tell him I might be the wrong person to ask. Being a fan of the science and critical thinking, I would not, I would be out of my league giving advice on such things. But before my words came out, a textbook flew off the shelf behind me and landed in the middle of the floor between us on its spine, page, pages ruffling open. We sat in silence for a moment, staring at it. Did you, did you see that? Paul stuttered with a nervous laugh that seemed to hint at a hysteria. I nodded to reassure him. I don't remember being afraid, just puzzled. I got up and examined the book. It was my chemistry textbook. I had It had landed open to a page describing the chemical element boron. To this day, I can find no significance in that, so the page number at least was probably a random event. There was no strings or anything affixed to the book, and nothing visibly different or unusual about it. I turned to the bookshelf. It was the kind of shelf recessed into the wall. There was no space behind it. There was no evidence of springs or any other way it could have been a juvenile prank, nor was there evidence of mice, rats, or any other things, any other books that remained on the shelf. Unquestionably, I saw this happen, but I felt none of the eerie presences often mentioned in these situations. Possibly, I am just not sensitive as others claim to be. The only thing I could think to say was that these events must somehow be coming from Paul himself, maybe from something his mind was doing because of the curse. I suggested that Paul keep a low profile for a while and certainly to avoid seeing any of the fuzzy wuzzy coven again. Paul crashed at my dorm that weekend, the following morning saying he hadn't slept that well in weeks. Afterward, he reported no other incidents and his life got completely back to normal. It's as if someone else needed to witness the evidence of what had been happening 
and going through and what he had been going through, and then it could leave him in peace. Though I will always embrace a healthy dose of scientific skepticism, I cannot explain what I saw that night, and to this day I do not mention the real name of that demon. I have tried to forget it. Thanks, your podcast helps get me through the daily tedium. That is the end. Wow, that's a, that's a, speaking of uh, Tinder urban legends, like that would be the basis of one. Yeah, the, it, that's a really good, I like that. Thank you, Kevin. That was a very yeah. good story and much akin to when I was, this is going to sound weird, a working ghost hunter, paranormal investigator. Um, when we would have clients, it's, similar stuff would be what they would be reporting at their house and always it it, always be murphy's law they would sit there and say books would be falling off and they would have witnesses and we would sit there for hours and nothing would happen you know it ghosts plumbing you know they're really similar so yeah um i i like that it's it does seem like something somebody put a very light curse on that man just from the story i kind of wish i had that power no you don't because it always comes back in threes oh, damn it all right no yeah more. that that's a really <laughs> okay that's a really I strong principle yeah like if you sit there and you always want to curse at someone realize mm-hmm. that you can always send that stuff back at yourself and have worse things happen so it's the big don't really wish bad things on other people mm-hmm. um and then yeah it it, because of the rule of three it's well karma Karma. is when you are dead Mm -hmm. that is one of the things when i hear people say oh it was karma no karma (laughs) is when you are dead there is um but it's a huge misunderstanding of that religion um but anyway it, it is kind of like a just desserts and you could call it curses or an evil eye so that's why people would wear the evil eye uh, or yeah, not, well, the eye. Place. You can get bracelets with eyes on them and stuff it's yeah. to protect you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of lore like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and protective jewelry, wearing silver is a protective thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a that's a really good story. I, I really love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's interesting, like, when you you were talking about, like, you know, or he was talking about being a skeptic, and yet he saw this. Yeah. Yeah. And and for all of our listeners, if you didn't know, I'm a skeptic, too. <laughs> like, I see dead people. I still question it because I want to know why. And also, like, I'm always questioning, like, did did I drink? too much today did i get enough (laughs) sleep am i dehydrated Mm -hmm. like i try to find reasons for these things that are explainable because pointing to the dead and going it's a ghost is the Uh very last thing you want to say yeah so yeah yeah. i mean it's it's true um but yeah i mean i thought that this was really and, and your your mind i mean you know thinking about uh what how this guy reacted um you know we've heard of the word placebo mm-hmm. well there's the word nocebo 
which is mm-hmm. the opposite of placebo. So um, if you think something will help you, you get the placebo effect. So that's why, you know, if you say, oh, if I, if I drink, you know, blue milk from, you know, whatever, it will make me healthy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a good chance it will make you healthy because your brain thinks it will. But yeah. conversely, if you think, if I eat this, it's poison, it could poison you because your brain can also make something make you feel bad because you think it makes you feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, so it works both ways. That's here's a good question then. Like when you see these things happen, mm-hmm. how do you know it's not a hallucination? Mm-hmm. I mean, is a hallucination just a break in reality? Or is it your your brain with a fever or yeah. And see, that's a really good question. And one of the things I always say is that it's going to be physicists and psychologists that figure out what the paranormal is first, not paranormal investigators. Yeah. um, Because they're the ones looking into how the fabric of space and time work and also how our brains operate. Right. And like, I'm just reporting the random dead people that I see because for posterity they can take my brain apart and go okay well maybe this would be why i don't know i'm just like i i really don't know so that's why i take a note on all my field work because who knows if that could have come in handy down the road trying to figure out psychology yeah well, yeah because what you see sometimes too is is very much influenced by how your brain is your belief systems and what you your environment so sometimes yeah. you know you might see things and how you interpret them you know i always loved carl sagan's quote where he said just because we see something we can't explain doesn't mean it's a spaceship you know like he was saying <laughs> UFO, um, um stuff you know just because we can't explain something doesn't mean that it's what you think it is mm-hmm. oh that reminds me i have a really good story about ufos i don't know if i've told this one on air so tell us please okay this is our so Halloween since we're episode. sharing stories tonight mm-hmm. um this has to do with the only ufo incident i've ever been a part of and this has happened here in cincinnati and was reported out in um uh what is it for not Versailles, Versailles, Indiana. So um, for New Year's, I think it was New Year's 2011. I was at a party with Mike and a bunch of different friends. And at midnight, we launched the lanterns, those white lanterns that are like little mini hot air balloons front and then like wrote wishes on them and then like sent them out into the air. I don't know how good that is for the environment at all, but they were paper lanterns and they flew into the air and they looked really nice and very pretty as they flew over Cincinnati. And the following year in 2012, I was a member of the Paranormal View radio show and we had one of our guests was from MUFON, which was the Mutual UFO Network. And this was the Ohio representative that we had on. And they were talking about the recent ufo um, incidents around ohio and around cincinnati specifically and they said well on on new year's day well technically the wee hours of new year's day a cluster of ufos were viewed and witnessed in versailles indiana 
just west of Cincinnati. And it was a cluster of maybe 10 to 12 self-illuminating UFOs hovering over for sales. And it was very scary. And the person who reported it was very scared. And then poof, they were all out. And mind you, at the time, this was live radio. I just started laughing. (laughs) And I couldn't help it. Much like Jen is now giggling right now. Um, And they, the that co-host turned awesome to me story. and go, why, why are you laughing? And I go, because I caused those UFOs. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. I love that. But, yeah. They were our Chinese <gasps> lanterns had managed to fly that far because of the, because of the jet stream. And like, we looked it up. We could, cause you can look up all the weather for every single day. And we just looked up and there it was it, the, the, airflow where they had managed to fly up in the atmosphere just flew right over Versailles, Indiana and then they got reported by MUFON and since Versailles is in the Cincinnati metro area it got reported to the Ohio MUFON and Indiana well technically it's true they were unidentified flying objects technically they were but there were no little aliens outer space (laughs) no the only my wish to become a professional comic book artist burning up in the atmosphere <laughs> hey look it came true <laughs> so we have several other stories we can read here um yeah. but we are probably getting really long too so um well, remember there's a first half hour we're cutting out so true true um except uh, for yeti let's keep going i mean this is what why we're doing this episode okay okay so we're on Irene, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who wants to read that? Um, I, I, who wants to read it? Um, I, I'll read it. Okay. It's short. Hopefully there's no uh, words that will confuse me. <laughs> this one is from Irene. When I was a kid, I needed to use the bathroom late at night. My parents' room had a glass door with rippled glass. The toilet, the toilet was two steps away from my door, the other bedroom to the left. I was wearing a blue pajama. I noticed a white dressed figure to the left moving behind the glass doors then disappear. I thought it was my mom, but it creeped me out. So I ran back to bed. The next morning, my mom was wearing a dark long shirt and not a white nightgown. It was probably an illusion, but it It took me a while to recover my nerves until I was able to go to the bathroom late at night again. Wow. Oh, man. It'd be pretty hard to mistake white for black in the night. Or even blue. Like, if she was seeing herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is really creepy. Yeah. I never want to see anything I can't identify in the bathroom with me. Mm-hmm. I, I was no. when I when this one was submitted. I was thinking about all the bathroom encounters we've seen. That it seems like running water and ghosts and stuff seem yeah to lots of experiences. Yes, bathrooms. <laughs> and the next one we have is by Toby. And Toby has gave us a couple. We had read one a while ago of theirs, and so mm-hmm. here is a different one. Um. Do you want me to read it? Sure. Okay. We'll just alter. And then we've got two more after this. So, okay. Then uh, we can. So 
This one says, when I was in middle school, about 11 or 12, which it seems like that's kind of a common age to see stuff, isn't it? It is. Puberty. A lot of times, poltergeists will be in houses with Mm -hmm. people going through puberty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. First puberty, like when you're becoming a crone. Do you see, yes. do you have a poltergeist or is at that point, you? it's not a poltergeist, you just break things because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going yeah. through reverse yeah. puberty. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't remember how it started, but I found myself waking up every night at 3 a.m., oftentimes from nightmares. But even when I was not, I found myself terrified, unable to move in the darkness of my room, not unlike sleep paralysis, unable to move, too scared to move. This continued for the majority of my summer vacation. No matter how early or late I'd go to sleep, I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and could not fall back asleep until at least 4 or at all. It was horrifying, and the lack of sleep was causing me to be lethargic. I distinctly remember the dream that seemed to stop it, though. My paternal grandmother, a woman who died before I was born, was in a church with me and told me to defend myself. Next thing I knew, I was screaming like a feral animal at this darkness. I woke up at a normal hour after that dream. I've talked to some about this, and while responses vary, I've been told something may have been trying to get to me. That's that's terrifying. That's a good story. Thank you, Toby. And what do you think, Kat? Is that something you've seen before? Well, okay. If Toby is looking for my interpretation... um, so basically i won't say something was trying to get them maybe oppress them by scaring them um there are some entities that like to do that sometimes it's just out of good old fun i'm looking at you jen you like to do that to people and it's interesting how they had their grandmother take them to a church in a dream churches are usually seen as holy places that are sacred And therefore, negative entities usually can't get into them. And this may be because your grandmother could be a spirit guide or a guardian angel, if you want to think about it that way. And that's why she was able to reach out to you and take you to this place where this negative entity, not even negative, just this entity couldn't be scaring you by doing this every and bring you to a place of balance, basically. Not not to sound too zen but you if you're too scared and you're panicking yeah you're not going to sleep and you're just going to cycle like we saw with kevin's story and um, i'm glad that somebody was able to intervene and give you some sleep because sleep is super important have we figured out like as a society what uh sleep paralysis is or what causes it so there's some stuff (laughs) yeah we don't know even why we sleep like christina's right um okay but there, there is, I've seen one case of sleep paralysis that happened to my friend in high school. He fell asleep with his head on the back of one of those chairs at a really sharp angle and it cut off enough blood long enough that he went into paralysis and it was, and he described it like sleep paralysis. Oh. So that's only one incident though. I'm not saying that explains all of them. Yeah. So hmm. it's a that's time. terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. terrifying terrifying all right the next one uh cynthia. cynthia all right cynthia writes after my mother-in-law died we went to her house for the wake my sister-in-law said there has been a cat hanging around here since mom died just then the cat jumped on the screen door everyone jumped in surprise everyone at the wake talked to the cat 
and called it mom. I went to pet it and the cat swiped and hissed at me. It was nice to see everyone else. It was nice to see everyone else. It disappeared right after the wake. I should note that my mother-in-law not only disliked cats, she was afraid of them. Yeah, yeah. and actually what, what she said uh, was that the, the cat was mean to her, but it was the cat was actually nice to everyone else that was there. So like when they would pet it, it would like be really friendly to them. Ah, yes. You're right. It's yeah. nice to everyone else. I put in an extra C. Yeah, it, it, was, it was nice to everyone but her. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, she, she was she was uh saying that that was kind of how her mother-in-law felt about her. okay say, we might need a little backstory there yeah <laughs> i feel like there's a few blanks that need to be filled yes Aww. yes so so, so you know, when, when everybody like that were allegedly her kids were friendly to the friendly to the cat and the cat was friendly back but when she like went up to the cat to say oh hi kitty and petted it went Row. which you know Sometimes, you know, you know, it's funny. A friend of mine had a cat who was notorious for doing that to people. Like he was fiercely protective of his house and his space and his humans. And if you try to approach him, you would yell and hiss at you and swipe at you. And uh, the first time I met him, he actually let me pet him, which was awesome. But then after that, it was all downhill. <laughs> the second one time I, w- I was over at their house for a party and he was he was kind of stalking me around the house i'm like kitty it's okay i'm not gonna hurt you well I, I, he was I just have- like you're not supposed to be here <laughs> I, i've heard a couple tales before of animals unexplaining unexplained animals showing up after someone's died for a short amount of time mm-hmm. and and um you know that's kind of an interesting um is there a name for that cat when somebody has like some sort of animal show up like that that perhaps it is a or was just everybody very sad and just I mean it could just be a type of visitation like not quite a deathbed apparition but though pets or your loved ones can show up as pets Mm -hmm. as a deathbed apparition yeah they're just a type of visitation Mm -hmm. or if you really don't like the person who's showing up they're a nuisance (laughs) <laughs> so exactly exactly yeah well, yeah you know, it's just it's just an interesting thing because she said the whole family like was calling the cat mom they thought it was her spirit yeah. well that's really sweet no. though yeah. yeah except her mom didn't like cats so you know it's weird. that's what i find a little funny but i know cats have a lot of spiritualist connections throughout history mm-hmm. like interpret like interpretations i mean the egyptians come up first when you mention Mm -hmm. that and uh yeah black cats with Mm -hmm. witches like there's a lot of connections with the spirit world and cats so Mm -hmm. yeah i I do remember oh Oh, i do remember when i was really scared of all the ghosts haunting the house somebody mentioned to me that cats were protectors against spirits so to have them around your house if you were scared and that helped calm me down a lot i don't remember who said that Maybe it was Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> well, that would be nice to think that. but you know. Yeah. Maybe the comforting have... words of Robert Stack. Cats people... are there to spiritually heal you. 
Well, I wonder if it's because cats can hear so much better than you. They hear like critters in the walls. And so it probably seems like they're communicating with something paranormal because they're hearing so much better. And dogs probably do too. I mean, I don't know if dogs react to, to <coughs> stuff they hear and they don't. I mean, cats like... Not mine! <laughs> I mean, you know, you'll be sitting in a room mild-manneredly and all of a sudden the cat gets up and is like, oh my gosh. And it's like jumping up on the walls and looking at each wall like... They're... And it's probably just some critter it hears. Staring yeah. at the ceiling. But you can't hear it. And so you're like, no. oh my gosh, what's this cat seeing? When yeah, the cat's it's creepy. Like, when the cat's <laughs> like, I want to hunt and kill something and I think there's something I can kill on the wall. Mm-hmm. so fun very very quick side story about today about how dogs really don't at least mine don't notice things very large wolf spider female wolf spider gets into our house and i i found her she was trying to hide underneath a gar like a uh, grocery bag but i could just see your little bag back legs sticking out my dumb dogs are walking around her completely oblivious to this gigantic spider that was easily like a silver dollar in diameter with her legs included they almost stepped on her three times i managed to rescue her and she's in my garden now well you know the one thing if you own cats um is that well own cats is probably cats kind of own you but um is that they tend to eat a lot of bugs in your house like You know, a reason not to use pesticides or poisons ever for rodents or for um, insects is they end up killing a lot of carnivorous animals that eat them. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, somebody was telling me like their cat ate lots of crickets. And so when one of their cats had passed away, they suddenly had all these bugs and stuff because the cats was, were eating them. Oh, that's funny. Their cats never got horse hair worms, did they? Not that I know of. Yeah, no, that's a gross. I mean, I know anyway, that. let's finish our stories. Yes, we have no one cat- left. Yes, we can talk about cats forever. Should yeah. you want me to read the last one? Yeah, and it's it's not by this cat; it's by a different cat. By a different cat. All right. Uh, this one, yes, cat. My sister was babysitting three of us when the vacuum in the basement turned on. She went to unplug it, but it wasn't plugged in. It happened a few more times before my parents got home. A friend's mom asked who was upstairs waving when she picked me up for school. I told her nobody was home. There was definitely some lady in the attic window, but there wasn't any flooring up there. Also, my sisters and I used to swear we'd hear heavy footsteps on the stairs and sometimes even feel the stairs move if we were sitting on them. Our favorite place with the long corded phone. Pretty sure it was probably just the wood swelling and whatnot looking back on it, though. Except for the waving no. person. Yeah, I think you had a <laughs> ghost wood- in your attic. <laughs> no, that's not how wood works at all. <laughs> it will sometimes look like a ghost waving at you from the. <laughs> She's probably talking about the vibrations in the yeah, staircase. No, I'm thinking of. <laughs> I think this is too young for you guys. Did you ever watch the cartoon Ed, Ed, and Eddie? I yes. have seen it, yes. Yes, okay. Because we were talking about Twilight Zones before. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I mean, it wasn't and, a show. And I there watched. was Planky from Ed, Ed, and, Anky, Ed, and Eddie. And I'm just thinking of Planky in the window waving. <laughs> so, 
Also, it was Planky Wheeling. It was Planky. Now, oh. I love this story. Oh my goodness. This this is wonderful. This is a great story to end was on. Was it friendly Thank ghost? You, cat. Yeah. Hi. It's just, just letting its <laughs> presence be known. Just saying hello. But the vacuum cleaner is interesting. Have you seen incidences of that before? That's kind of like your music box thing. Yeah, it is exact. Mm-hmm. Well, except for that one would take electricity and the music boxes didn't, but it's very similar. Um, Mike had a situation like that when he was staying at his grandmother's extremely haunted house in Indiana, where the clock, it was a battery operated clock, but it's actually, was it? I'm going to say no, because this is the early 80s. It sped up extremely fast. Like he watched it and it just started speeding up and then it stopped and then went back to the normal time. And he knew he wasn't asleep and it just really freaked him out. So, Hmm. but that's like how you start a horror sequence in a horror movie. I, they probably, I think they used that in one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. They had to. Was this an analog like clock? Mike never saw this. You said it was like a battery operated one? I think it was a plug in one. The gear, okay, because sometimes those, 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 like something weird happens with the gears too or whatever yeah it yeah could have been, if it was plug-in one it could have even been electricity surges or something like that it could have been like i don't know i have to ask troy that that's an engineering question yeah 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 i think i don't how would you react if you saw that would you be like did i did i really just i think see a that? lot of times when you, stuff, <laughs> when you see stuff like that you you're like did that really happen yeah mine is damn it who's here well, yes, if, if you can actually see them. How did Mike react to that after he saw that? It freaked him out a lot. And he, he yeah. and his sisters always had a lot of um, experiences in that house. I even saw a shadow person, the uh, very classic hat man. For those mm-hmm. of you who like to play paranormal bingo with uh, different entities that are widely reported. He did not have glowing red eyes, but he was wearing a trench coat, which is how they're described a lot. And it was standing at the top of the staircase staring at me when I was just sitting in the room and it was um, their uncle's old room. Uh, After their grandmother passed away and they were cleaning up the house to be sold, I did bring an ovalis to the house. And for those who don't paranormal investigate, this is the device that it will cycle through radio stations and pick up words and sometimes if you're really lucky you'll get an entire it, it, it's cycling through it so fast that you actually can't listen to each station so it essentially becomes white noise and through that white noise you're able to pick up on discernible words sometimes and i like to take mine in reverse so i'm going through all the stations backwards it just makes it a little bit more noticeable when something pops up and we're like, hey, uh, is anybody here? And of course we got a yes. And we're like, okay, well, that could have been a radio station. And we're like, what is our last name? And it, it went Cloco and it pronounced it correctly over multiple radio Whoa. stations. And we're like, okay, well, one, congratulations. You pronounced our name correctly. That is very, very rare. And also who the hell are you? And who was it? They, they never responded. Yeah. They just said Cloco. They ghosted and they, you. <laughs> they ghosted. <laughs> oh. 
just letting you know I'm here and I know who you are. I'm not telling you who I am. Well, what I know of is the following family that purchased the property stayed there only for two weeks and then left the property and all their stuff in it. Really? So, yeah. They did not like the people there or something. Right. Somebody didn't like something. It's a haunted bungalow in South Bend. Making a strong case for me to not move. Stay well, not to South Bend. Well, wherever you wherever you get your house, you can have a uh, cat sage it for you. Yes, please, sage? please do, and just Saging don't tell me if there's really... anything in there. Oh, you don't need do to anything? sage anything. It's, it's okay. just intent. It's just sage just helps you, um, like project your intent towards something. Like the entire idea of magic and being able to deal with the other side. It's all intent. So that's why yeah. you say get the fu- um get out of my house. Mhm. Mhm. Cool. Yes, exactly. But okay. On that note, we want you all to come back to another episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosity presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. Shall I keep going? Yes, please. <laughs> all right. Yes, thank you. It's been a wonderful 50 episodes so far. Keep the stories coming. We love hearing them. And if you have an interesting ghost story, a creepy cryptid or urban legend from your neck of the woods, we love to hear it. And please send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Don't forget, we have a Kickstarter. It goes until November 3rd. Please pick up some fun illustrations from us. I know I have 10 different creepy cryptid drawings that I'm doing. And uh, those will be up for sale. And I believe Stingy Jack is going to be one of them. I can't <laughs> wait to draw them tomorrow. Death. Yeah. And, and we're going to be doing live art on Halloween, de- on Sunday yeah, of Halloween. Halloween. So mm-hmm. uh, tune in to watch us drawing live. So, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll I know with my tonight. segment, what I like to do is just take suggestions from the audience and just draw it. It gets really crazy and fun. So I love that. But you can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio and also at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And don't forget to join the Hometown Haunts Facebook group where we share all sorts of fun goodies throughout the week. So happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Good night. Yay. Bye. Yeah. Stay weird.